to serve others and to be of support are a huge blessing, not just for those that we're serving, but for ourselves as well. But there is a fine line between being a supporter and a savior. And while wearing the cape might feel cool, what's not cool is when we find ourselves empty, frustrated, and held captive by the promises that we made prematurely. So for all you givers out there, including myself, it might be time to take off the cape. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. What is happening, Blended Crew? Hope you guys are thriving during this summer. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen way too much water in the last couple of weeks. I feel like I'm growing gills, <laughs> to be honest. I have a bunch of water babies. My girls love swimming. They love the beach. They love the pool and just all the chlorine in the world. It just brings them fulfillment and satisfaction. My wife and I, we are we're thugging it out. We're pushing it. We want these ladies to enjoy their summer experience and we're having a lot of fun with them. But golly, I feel I feel like an amphibian <laughs> right now. It's incredible. I hope you guys are enjoying your summer as well. We are hopping into a awesome subject matter. We are revisiting the stuck without commitment episode genre. And just to briefly revisit the premise, being stuck without commitment essentially means being obligated or attached within a relationship specifically without the necessary foundation to move forward in semblance or in one accord. The commitment is not there. However, the responsibility and the attachment has already transpired. So it's almost this moving at an uneven pace or functioning in a way that is out of order, essentially. And we're going to zone in specifically on the savior complex. And most of us have heard of the savior complex before. And this is something that is prevalent within relationships. And it's also something that many of us within the blended family dynamic can relate to. So it's going to be very good. But before we get into the subjects, go ahead. If you have the option to do so, leave a comment, leave some likes, some stars. I'm loving hearing from those that are listening to the podcast. If you go into the description, you also have the option to schedule with me a free 30 minute consult. And, you know, it's 2023. Weird times. Artificial intelligence is getting strange, but I am a real human being and I would love to meet and speak with you one on one. If there is any way in which I can help, then I would love to do so. All right. So let's hop into this subject matter. What is the savior complex, you ask? Well, there's a couple of definitions. The initial is somebody like thinking they're Jesus and they're here to save the world. That's <laughs> that's a real thing. There's a very, very small population of people that suffer from that. And it's a problem. It is inaccurate. But there is another more popular form of the savior complex. And what that 
consists of is having this like white knight syndrome whereby individuals they really feel good about themselves when helping someone out they believe that their their job or their purpose is to help those around them to make all of the difference in their lives like they are the answer for the issue whatever the issue is and they sacrifice their own interests as well as their well-being in an effort to aid other people and i know some of us listening that suffer from this savior complex and i know the word suffer is not going to be super well received but it does cause some suffrage many of us have just this desire to help people we love people we want to if we can be of support if we can be of aid and make the difference in someone in someone's lives provide them with some fulfillment and some some remedy for whatever it is that they are struggling with then why not and again many of us have this just innate ability to step in and make the difference whatever the difference consists of however it compromises our best interests and our personal well-being it is oftentimes not our job to step into someone else's process and interrupt whatever is transpiring in their life even if what's happening looks and feels a lot like struggle but don't get me wrong i strongly believe that we have been created to function generously we have been created to give of our time our talents as well as our resources in some form or fashion and to do so without the expectation of some type of reward or return for whatever it is that we're providing And this isn't just morally something that's profitable, but there is a literal chemical reaction that transpires within our bodies as we give something, as we take time to serve another person or go out of our way to make the difference in someone else's day. Most of the time when my wife and I go through a cafe or Starbucks drive through, we tend to pay for the person behind us. And you know what? Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes those orders are hefty, but it's just like this is something that we can do to give and we don't necessarily do it for our fulfillment or to feel good about ourselves. But there's just something that naturally transpires within us as we do that, as we give in that capacity. And it's like a, a low pressure way in which we can be of service to somebody. And it's my conviction that unless we are giving of our time, our talents and our resources in some capacity, then we're missing out on real fulfillment in our lives. And we are likely not going to discover our purpose until we've crossed that threshold whereby we are giving and we are of service and we're doing it in such a way where we're not demanding something back like a paycheck or some type of condolence or thanks and yes those things are nice they're beneficial they're they're helpful but we should absolutely there should be a portion of our lives dedicated to giving without an expectation of receiving something back that is my absolute conviction and that very thing can make this whole savior complex issue all the more tricky to navigate So while we are designed to be generous and we benefit from giving, 
it's important for us to do so tactfully and for us to be strategic. And there are those moments, again, where it's a, a random instance of just we're feeling led and we have the ability or the means to provide something. But most of the time, it's important for us to be tactful about our generosity, because as many of us know, the dude outside of 7-Eleven is probably not going to use the $100 you gave them <laughs> to to take care of himself, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't give anything to those guys. They, they have needs as well. Run inside, buy them some food, whatever. But it's important to be aware of the fact that our giving, the way that we give, our timing, who we give to, and all of it can cripple both ourselves as well as the person that we are giving to, believe it or not. It's not just this uh, even exchange whereby we're benefiting and they're benefiting. We can actually cripple the both of us as a result of us attempting to be generous. And I'm going to read from Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, and it does such an amazing job of breaking down the issue that is the savior complex and why it's such a threat to us personally when we become surety for our friend, for our neighbor, for a stranger. And it reads, my son or daughter, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son or daughter, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. So why that sounds real dramatic. <laughs> it really does. So why is the savior complex or becoming surety for a friend such a threat to ourselves? It's because what we're doing is we are promising ourselves to them. We are attaching ourselves to their circumstance. We are essentially saying, hey, this thing that you are responsible for, I am going to step in and make myself responsible for that. So I'm going to take a portion of your life that was dedicated to you and what you are supposed to operate in, what you're supposed to, to walk in, to step in. And I'm going to take that upon myself and you can depend on me from this point forward. And we don't typically break it down like that, but when we're kind of vague or we're unclear about how it is we're going to be of service or how we're going to be of su support to someone, and then they experience that relief they're going to hand that thing over and someone that isn't as mindful or that isn't as healthy is going to fully just put on your plate what you said you can take on and they are going to relieve themselves of that thing again that they were responsible for. So as we become surety for them, we assume this burden that we were never supposed to. This burden is relinquished upon us and then things are functioning out of order. And what it says scriptural, scripturally is humble yourself, go to that person and deliver yourself because we are essentially captive when we become surety for someone else. When we take a responsibility that we were never supposed to take on in the first place. So this is a big deal, to say the least. And so many of us are familiar with this savior complex and we have functioned 
in this capacity at least a little bit. And for some of us, a lot of it. <laughs> and some of us, some of you that are listening are operating in this right now. You made promises and you, you filled the gap. You made the difference in someone else's life and you took on some responsibilities because you love and care well. Or maybe it's because you were fresh in this relationship and it's a new thing. And what you're doing is you are presenting the very best version of yourself because you have all the butterflies and the feels and you're excited and you genuinely want to be of help and support. You want this person's life that you really like. You want it to be as easy as possible. You really do. Like that's those are some of our that's our initial reaction when we start this process of affection with someone else. And we want to gain favor from them. We want to gain favor for from everyone in their in their party as well. So maybe it's not just them. Maybe it's their kids or their children as well. Maybe it's even the ex. It's the in-laws. So we are fighting to to not just present this perfect picture of who we are or who we can be, but we're also trying to win everybody over. And if I can be honest, it is not in this state of mind that we make the best decisions. It's like going to the grocery store while we're hungry. It's uh, we leave that place having spent some money and all that stuff is empty calories <laughs> and we find ourselves in some type of unnatural comatose as a result. It's also similar to getting a new and potentially prestigious job. Obviously, we come into it with this expectation as well as a job description and what is required of you. But then all of a sudden on day one, we're asked to do some things outside of what the job description consists of. And we're just like, yeah, of course. Hey, I'll do this. I'll do these extra projects. And I don't know how I'm going to find the time to do them. I'm not even sure if I have the resources to do so. But my answer is yes. And how many of us know that when you say yes on the job site, that that's officially that's officially your gig. This is not you're not being asked for a one time ordeal. This is all of a sudden an expectation for you. And then down the line, you realize that what you took on was meant for a whole nother human being. This is actually a whole nother job that you were provided. And your yes was yes for that moment. But it was something that became an expectation for you. And this is the same issue that we find in our relationships as we want to be the answer, as we want to solve the problems of other people. And yes, we oftentimes stumble into this without knowing that we're under threat. We just had this good heart. We felt like led all of a sudden to be an answer for this situation. But that's why I said scripturally, humble yourself, recognize that you were wrong and go and deliver yourself because you are all of a sudden captive in a scenario that you should have never found yourself in. And there are so many relationships, friendships, whatever, that are suffering as a result of one party, maybe even both parties coming in and trying to be each other's savior. And when this happens, we bind ourselves in such a way that things are out of order. What should happen is the commitment to one another. We should make these decisions with clarity and with conviction being led by the butterflies and our 
interest in what's transpiring before us, it's deceptive because all of a sudden we are taking responsibility for things today and not considering what that means for us tomorrow, next week, next month, several years down the line. And unfortunately, that's where many people find themselves several years down the line. And they're super confused as to why things are in the state that they are. And it's because the foundation was corrupt, unfortunately. Yes, the intentions, there was a a well-meaning. However, the way the things were handled, approached, and the way in which the order in which commitment transpired, it just made things really confusing. And things were done with the goggles on. I think I should probably call them like hope goggles. (laughs) Obviously, many of us are familiar with the beer goggles and things looking, looking and sounding better when we have those on. But the hope goggles, it's kind of like it distorts what is because we are super hopeful for what can be all of our intention and whatnot is there while we're kind of just walking in today. But seeing things Not as they are, but as we hope they would be. I think that's a thing. Hope goggles. That might be a thing. But anyway, if this is something that you relate to, if you believe that your relationship was kind of founded on someone operating from a place of I'll save you, it is not too late to remedy the situation. It is possible to come back and recognize how things were approached initially, how things have been or are being approached and to correct them. And is it possible that that's met with some resistance or some frustration? Absolutely, it's possible. But nonetheless, to deliver yourself is almost more important than maintaining or sustaining some of the promises you've made after recognizing that they weren't your promises to make. So now we are going to get into three reasons why we should make the effort to combat the savior complex. And the number one reason for fighting the savior complex is the fact that intentions are made clear over time. So when we get to know somebody, when we are privy to their circumstance initially, whatever they're going through, all we can do is assume their intentions. Obviously, for the most part, we are going to hear one side of the story. It's fairly rare. It's extremely healthy, but it's fairly rare that someone is talking about X or talking about some of the strain they're experiencing during separation or some of the challenges that they are going through in terms of custody or things with family. And they are giving all sides of the coin, both giving credit to others as far as their suffrage, as well as taking responsibility for their contribution in the situation. So all we can do is kind of assume like who they are, what the actual situation is, and their true intentions. And time is a huge benefit in this case because it allows for people to naturally tell on themselves. So when it comes to behaviors, when it comes to their reactions, when it comes to a slip of the tongue, when it comes to whatever attitude they have, the humility or a lack thereof, their expression of gratitude, the whole thing, all of it, the picture becomes clear 
over time because they are going to experience the ups and downs. It's hard for people when they are fabricating something to be consistent with their storytelling over time. And then you naturally want to just see someone's maturation. You want to see how they grow and how their understanding of things transforms over time. For instance, if somebody is complaining about a specific issue six months from the point that they initially brought it to your attention, for me, that's an issue. Like six months is a lot of time and plenty of opportunity to grow and really just to get over yourself. So if somebody's complaining about a particular thing for that long, even if that remains an issue in their life and something, nothing has changed then are you dealing with a pessimist? Are you dealing with somebody that just generally complains about things that are uncomfortable or challenging? Again, time allows for them or people to tell on themselves. And then there's the opportunity to see whether someone's been baiting you or not. Sometimes whether people do it intentionally or unintentionally, they'll find somebody that is willing to lend them some time, to lend them an ear, some sympathy, or to take responsibility from them. They will find that person and they'll spew or share whatever it is that they're sharing. And some of them will do so to see if you'll bite, if you will provide some remedy or relief if you're willing to do so. And again, I feel like there's a a significant portion of people that this is not necessarily their intention, but they'll take the help. They will take the relief. But when we are slow to take on other people's responsibility, then again, we allow their intentions to kind of speak for themselves. Like, is this person all of a sudden going to disappear because you didn't bite? Because, yeah, you did listen. And yeah, you did kind of console in a way that does not compromise you or you exercise some empathy. And that's all you did. Is this person now super disinterested in you because you didn't give them anything? You didn't help them out in some capacity, despite the fact that you have the means to do so? Are they still around or did they tell on themselves and that they they moved on and they're talking to another individual about these same things and much less so to you? Oftentimes when we feel this kind of overwhelming pressure to kind of do something to take action and it's not something that's necessarily coming from within, but it's a pressure that's coming from outside of us, from that person, potentially like it's just important for us to be able to recognize that so that, again, we don't find ourselves in a compromising situation. So essentially being slow to provide relief or remedy to somebody else, it really does give the opportunity for people to show themselves. And this is done over time. So when those butterflies initially and all that stuff is kind of going on, resisting that and not allowing it to overtake your decision making ability is super important. When we're approaching relationships, friendships, the blended family scenario, especially doing so with a sound mind is a must because the the possibility of missteps is more than abundant. And the second reason for resisting the savior complex is the fact that we are robbing other people of opportunities. 
and what those opportunities consist of is growth, development, and being responsible for what they are meant to be responsible for. Imagine our children, for those of us that have them, and if we were to walk around and clean up after everything that they did, we essentially did their homework for them, and etc., they would be compromised in their ability to conduct themselves. We'd be robbing them of opportunities for growth, for development. So how much more is this an issue for adults, for those that have experienced life, those that do have certain responsibilities that it's despite the struggle, this is your thing to take care of when we step in and all of a sudden we are providing relief and remedy for things that was designated for another person, then their development is hindered and that's on us. And I know it's like it's really difficult to see certain people struggling, whether, again, it's friends or love interests. And we we definitely we definitely want things to be easier for them, like especially some of the harsh stories that we're here. We hear about whether it's some type of divorce or separation. And it's just this extreme turmoil that human beings are going through. It's a real thing. It is. There are there are terrible circumstances as a result of these post relationships, separations, and what it means to be a single parent today. But that ain't none of your business. <laughs> like, sure, there's a like there's a small chance that you can actually step in and this is something like God positioned you to be of help to this person during this time in this way. But that's generally not the case. A lot of times it's important for this person to figure this out, to develop habits and skill sets that will serve their ch- their child and their new circumstance and situation. Like they have to do this on their own. It's important for them to do so. If not, then there will be a, a lack that an immeasurable lack in their life and their ability to function in a certain capacity as a parent, as a co-parent, um, as a just healthy, functional com- contributor to society. Uh, even the child, the child needs their their parent in a tough scenario, a tough situation to like pick up their pants, put on the, the big boy, big girl pants and be like, hey, we're going to fight to make this work. We are going to figure this out. And that person should absolutely take advantage of the resources or opportunities at their disposal. Look around and see how they can get some support. There are establishments or there are communities of people that are going through the same stuff. And there are means to kind of make the difference and provide them with whatever it is that they need. But the random person at work who recognizes the need and has like a heart for what it is that this person's going through is probably not the answer. Like, is it possible that this person can be of some type of help? Yes, but it's important to do so without being compromised personally, without become becoming surety for this person, without robbing them of the responsibility that is theirs. I had a friend reach out to me, I believe, several months ago. This is someone I went to high school with. She experienced a divorce or something, some form of separation. She has four kids and she reached out to me just asking for support and for help, place to stay and whatnot. And what I did is I looked up resources and I shared them with her. And 
I don't believe she took advantage of any of them, but I took the time to do that, to uh, potentially be of service. And guess what? I wasn't compromised personally. I gave time and energy to this, but I wasn't compromised personally, nor was my family. Could I have said you are officially staying in my home, you and your children, and you are whenever you want to talk, I'm available and blah, blah, blah. I could have done the most. I absolutely could have, but it was in my best interest to serve in the capacity that I did. And I I lent my ear, I lent some time, and I haven't heard from that person in a bit. I believe what I gave was fruitful, and that was the extent of my service. And I am so grateful that I've learned from previous mistakes and that I have functioned as the savior for people. And all this as a result, I'm hurt or again, whatever my situation is, it's compromised. I believe the way in which I supported her provided her the opportunity to continue to develop, to be resourceful and to develop a skill set that was necessary for her and her kids. I truly believe that. And again, the alternative could have been just going above and beyond to make sure that this situation has a happy ending. But what happens when people take on what should be their responsibility is relaxing, is becoming complacent, is taking their foot off of the gas because this person is surety for me now. This is an area of my life that I don't have to take control over. I don't have to exercise authority over this aspect of my life because someone else has taken that on. And this can be a friend. This can be a love interest. It's just really important for us to be like, hey, no, that's supposed to be yours. I will support you in it and I will participate to a degree. But you, I believe, I strongly feel as if you should be leading in this way and over this area. And so many of us are familiar with the fact that when this is not when that's not our approach, we eventually come to a place of conflict where things just don't feel right. Things are disordered. We have been walking in this responsibility. We've taken it on. We took it on too early or we we took it on and we shouldn't have. And things are so out of whack, out of order, imbalanced. And it's just not it's not working out. And that's because you feel like a captive. That's why the scripture used the term deliverance. You need to be delivered from the hand of your neighbor, of even your love interest and reordering your circumstance is necessary at that point. And lastly, the reason why we should fight against the savior complex is because we should add to the lives of others. We should not become the lifeline. So our talents, our resources, the time that we have to offer another individual, another situation should complement their life. And maybe that consists of what I referenced with my friend earlier in searching some resources, some some place where shelter uh, already exists, some services that function in a way where A person in this dire situation can have their needs met in this way, or maybe it consists of grabbing an extra coffee when you go to Starbucks or wherever else, or maybe you're watching someone else's child and maybe this is someone that you're someone someone interested in, 
but you're watching their child because you already have a child watching service. (laughs) Maybe you babysit or maybe you have some type of daycare. So you aren't being compromised personally and you are still being financially provided for in this way. Adding to someone's life could be inviting them to church or inviting them on a hike or something like that with a group of other individuals that you go on a hike with. Like this is what I'm getting at is you are not being taken from your your life isn't being compromised. Your interests aren't being threatened as a result of contributing in some way to this other person's life. But there is the alternative of becoming their lifeline where they become dependent on you, if not entirely, then in some areas of their life and they've just relinquished it to you. If that ever becomes the the case, it's a problem. And if you don't know, if you cannot answer that question right now as to whether you are someone's lifeline or not, you need to kick the tires. You need to test the waters, see where the dependence really lies where it really is maybe you are functioning as a savior and you don't even know it Uh, what i would suggest is take a minor step back you've made a promise you've become you know there is some level of dependence that on you test how deep the dependence goes take a mild step back and see what the reaction is see what's what's happening because you maybe you are in some form of commitment maybe you're somewhat dating maybe you're cohabitating you're living together but you're not married uh, and you just need to know where things really lie like what the dependence really consists of am i this person's lifeline kick the tires take a mild step back and use that same energy to kind of invest in yourself and your purpose specifically and see what the response is and don't do it from a place of selfishness or bitterness and uh, an attempt to hurt this other person but do so just to see where things where things are i'll say that me and my wife were obviously in a, a lifelong covenant relationship and i will tell you that while the commitment, the foundation of commitment exists, and therefore there is the the promise of surety for one another. I am surety for my wife. We have arrangements whereby I am responsible for this. She is responsible for this. And there is absolute clarity in the way in which we function. And it works out so well. But I will tell you that I am actually not my wife's lifeline, nor is she mine. If things were to change at the drop of a hat and life happens and things do change, we're ready to respond. We are ready to to take on more responsibility. We are ready to relinquish the other person for whatever the time being is, whatever. We are ready to step up and do what we must do for the sake of our marriage, for the sake of our kids and this family. We love doing life together and we enjoy one another's support. Specifically, I love my wife's support. She is a unique and amazing individual and such an incredible compliment to my life. She is my favorite. She truly is. I feel like she probably feels the same way. <laughs> but at all times, we're ready to do what we have to do in order to, to make things work. But in the time being, we are allowed to be surety for one another because we are in covenant relationship because commitment precedes our responsibility 
we have bound ourselves to one another because we are first committed. But before arriving at such a point, it is dangerous to function as someone's savior, to become surety for them, to make promises, whether short term or long term, that we're not totally sure we can sustain for years to come. Just because we have the means to provide support for someone, that doesn't mean it's our job to do so. Don't fall into the savior trap. And if you have, if you have, scripture makes it clear that you have the option of humbling yourself, recognizing your missteps, and then going to your neighbor, going to your friend, to your family, your significant other, and saying, hey, I've made some mistakes. I shouldn't have made these promises. And if we can walk this back somehow together, um, then that would be awesome. That obviously is packaged a lot more (laughs) beautifully than the reality may look, but nonetheless, delivering yourself from the captivity that you may be in is essential. So I hope you guys got something from this. It's such good content, guys. It really is. If this was of any help to you, I'd love to hear from you personally. Again, you can schedule a consultation with me, leave a remark of some kind, whether via social media or the podcasting platform that you are listening on. But Blenders, you are incredible. Can't wait till next time. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.